0: Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS Of One's Own. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who.
1: Welcome to the recording chamber. (laughs) (laughs) The recording chamber of secrets. Um yeah we we very covertly record <laughs> while our colleagues walk past yeah. and pretend that, that it's it, work related. It is work related. How was your week, my friend? It's been a very weird week. It's felt very long, but I do have something that's pissed me off which you bore witness to. Bore witness, bear witness. Bad. bear witness to. What? Yeah. Witnessed. Um and that was the unfortunate handbag comment that occurred. On, I think, Tuesday. Yes. When we were in the kitchen and both talking about the fact that we were wearing men's trousers and how amazing it was to have pockets of a decent depth. And we had the misfortune of being in the kitchen with annoying office men, one, and sometimes annoying office men, two. Yep. Who both were like, that's why you have handbags? And, yeah, completely negates the fact that this is why women's clothes don't have fucking pockets in the first place. It's so that they can sell us the goddamn handbags. If we didn't have... If we had pockets, we wouldn't need handbags. And also, men who complain about handbags, when they when you go out with a man, they're like, can you put this in your bag? Like Every t- time. Every fucking time. I know. Uh, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have a bag if I didn't need one. Yeah, exactly. Um. Also, he said that. I said, I don't have a handbag. And he just carried on like I didn't exist. And I had this exact rant at him. <laughs> and he just looked at me blankly and then said nothing. <sighs> so,
0: yeah, that yeah. really annoyed me. Yeah, okay. So... Agree, this has been a week of men having opinions.
1: At <laughs> least favourite kind. In, yeah, in a
0: professional context specifically, we know a colleague who had some work done, completely unsolicitedly got an email being like, oh, here are the issues with your piece of work. Yeah. Cool,
1: thanks, no one asked you. And incorrect as well. Like, no, Incorrect yeah, advice, yeah. like, incorrect correction being like, eh, actually, but... And what's the expectation with that information? Like,
0: they're literally just like, I think I know something you don't know, therefore you need the benefit of my experience and you should change everything
1: you do, rather than being like, oh, actually, do they want to know? I often wonder yeah. about that, because especially when it's something that's, like, went out to a broader audience, Yeah. what do you expect to happen here? Do you want them to, like, assure a correction? Is that what you want? Because... Yeah. Like, like it's,
0: like, you know, uh, journal- journalism, and they have mm-hmm. to do, like, a, an apology and, like, correction. <laughs> like, no, that's not happening. It's just so that you can be like, I'm right. I need you to know
1: you are wrong. Yeah. But it's just ego, it's bullshit. The suggestion was wrong and the Yeah, um, and that's it. Like, The funniest it bit is like actually accurate. Honestly. Yeah. These people.
0: <gasps> okay. Great. Oh, good. Get it out, mate. Just get it out. It's a safe space.
1: How about you? What's annoyed you this week?
0: Um, I mean those same things, because I
1: bored witness <laughs> <laughs> to both of
0: those. And, well, I was bored fucking bored. Of the <laughs> <witnessing>. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, nothing acutely extra. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. been a good week. I mean, I like weather shit, and oh that always God, like sets a bit of a mood. Hmm. Um, but no, I mean, keep for the weekend as always.
1: As always, um,
0: trying to fight off COVID.
1: Through, I mean,
0: vibes. Like, I'm not doing anything actively, it's apart not... from, like, following health precautions and I... eating a lot of mandarins.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, we, uh, we've we upped our mandarin intake, the yeah, two of us. We really have. Uh, Vitamin so... C will save
0: us. Yeah, pretty much. And not having very many friends. It's <laughs> like, there's my two safety mechanisms. Well, we'll go to my super spreader party on Sunday. Oh my god, yeah. No, literally, it'll be grand zero, and then <laughs> work will lose its shit. Well, should we just, like, crack on? Yeah. yeah. So, this week we listened to Episode seven? Well, mm-hmm. it's our episode. It's episode. It's actually eight. episode eight of the series, mm-hmm. our episode seven Father's Day, in which Rose asks the doctor to take her to 1987 on the day her father was killed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Overall, high level episode thoughts. Go.
1: Okay. Like, it was weird because I remember not vibing with this episode back when it first came out. It's not like, it's not a bad episode. I think it's just too schmaltzy for me. It's too emotional and therefore I don't really connect with it. Like, I think it's really cool that it deals with kind of time travel and repercussions of time travel because Doctor Who is kind of light on the uh, paradox situation, right? And suddenly it becomes a really big deal in this. So that's cool. But yeah, I think the emotional tenet of it doesn't really resonate with me because I think so many things is just people making bad decisions and I really struggle with with narratives when people can either fix everything just by having a conversation or just, like, not being dumb. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I completely agree. I didn't remember this episode, and then when I was watching it, I felt the same. I didn't hate it, didn't love it. It's just a testament to bad decision-making mm. from start to finish, and was just kind of like, eh,
1: okay, I feel yeah. that quite ambivalent. That enough. was a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, like, the whole time travel. good that you raise the time travel paradox, well, maybe we'll circle back to that one, because yeah. it always is just like, well, this old trope.
1: You know, a classic.
0: Yeah. So, would you like to? Oh, let's do Bechdel test. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Bechdel test.
1: So, yeah, but only because it talks about you know if we if the Bechdel test is on the principle that it's a love interest.
0: Yeah, this is it. So, my exact note is yes. Dot dot dot. Jackie and R talking about dead dad. Dot dot dot. (laughs) But does this count? Question mark.
1: Because yeah, the only time Rose and Jackie have a conversation
0: is all then, about their dad. But then there's other women talking, but it's complaining about, it's talking about a wedding
1: or complaining about.
0: Even the conversations
1: that Jackie and Rose have when Jackie doesn't know, you know, yeah, who Rose yeah. is, she sees her as a romantic rival. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so she that, doesn't
0: exist as anything but Pete's potential bit on the side. Which is like, yeah, I mean, a whole, a whole like, thing. We're going to get. I've into. got a whole <laughs> subsection on just like yuck. Oh
1: god. The weird men are coming out of their meeting room. Bono.
0: Are we being... Do no, not
1: they... perceive us. One of them is wearing really weird tinted glasses, which is why we noticed what, them in the first Which place. maybe for,
0: like, health reasons. Oh, true. Oh, my maybe, God, am I being able? to yeah, I think maybe. Because <gasps> maybe he needs the tint because he has... I is know. he Bono? I think. No, shush. Bono was just pretending that he doesn't have bad vision. I don't think Bono was like... I thought he had an eye thing. Oh, my God. I don't think we can say eye thing.
1: Fine, I'll edit this out. <laughs> yeah, because I was a bit ambivalent about the so I did struggle a little bit fixating on a question, and it was my turn to ask a question, and I sort of made it your problem by asking you what you thought the question should be.
0: Problem is a problem halved. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Communal approach to problem solving. So, kind of ended up fixating on how the doctor really wanted Rose to apologise And he kind of, like, pushes her towards that through the whole thing. And she does apologise in the end, which is fair because she is the one who made a mistake. Yeah, she fucks up. Yeah. But it did make us think about how women are forever falling over themselves to apologise. And particularly, I was thinking about how women often apologise for things they do not need to apologise for which made me think of... We've spoken about this documentary before, but you know in Taylor Swift's Americana? Yeah. Americana, whatever it is. There's this scene where she's sitting at her dining room table and she's talking about, like, unpicking her own misogyny and all this stuff, and then she says, oh, sorry, it's a bit of a soapbox. And then she goes, why did I just apologise for that? And, you know, she's like, why am I, like, apologising for this thing? The quote is actually... We're like, sorry, was I loud in my own house that I bought with the songs that I wrote about my own life? Like, she feels this compulsion because you don't want to be too loud, you don't want to be too much, you don't want to be. Yep. Too opinionated because then you're bossy. Then you're this. Then you're that. You know, like we have just been conditioned mm-hmm. into the space where any kind of inconvenience, like any kind of deviation, is perceived as an inconvenience rather. So yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about apologizing.
0: Yeah, interesting. Super interesting. So I probably going to ease into this topic. We're just starting with some like general episode thoughts. Mm. It's quite weird that the doctor is on board with this. I right? know. So the whole point that she has to apologize is because she fucks up royally and eventually, you know, after some dilly-dallying, eventually owns up to that mistake. But like why has he enabled this?
1: Why indeed? Why did he do this in the first place? I mean, you do see a little bit of reluctance from him at the start of the episode where he's a bit like, But he still does it. No, but, and he actually
0: says, so I have this written down. He says, your wish is my command, but be careful what you wish for. Mm. Like, so he's kind of, which is the vibe of like, I know you're probably going to fuck this up because you don't know anything about, you know, the issues of changing history, but let's just go on an adventure. Yeah, and I'm
1: not going to impress upon you why this is
0: important and or give anything. A heads up or no. anything, no. So it's like almost, ugh, I hate it when you get that whole like set up to fail vibe. Yeah. Just like you said, this could have been sorted with a conversation.
1: I genuinely just think it's a bad idea. Like, he makes a bad decision to take her. Like, this is a bad call. Bad decision at the first. Yeah, and then she makes a bad decision by saving her dad. Because, like, what did you think? Like, anyone with even a rudimentary understanding of the merest exposure to any kind of sci-fi will know that this is a bad yeah, idea. the like, grandfather fucking paradox. Yeah.
0: But in between those two bad decisions is another one which is him saying that she can fucking
1: retcon the first yeah. attempt I and ruin This herself. I agree. <laughs> like, that is wild to me when he's just like, oh, make sure we don't see ourselves. Like, what is this, Harry Potter? Like, like, where's the time turn? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, you should have just called yeah. it there, being like, you know, you were too traumatized by the decision. I took you back. That's it. You don't get another go. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it, basically. Mm, I know.
0: So she does, she fucks up. Like, we'll leave it at that. She changes history and creates a wound in time. The doctor then says, what, I did it again. I picked another stupid eight.
1: I know, I hated that as well.
0: Like, cool, right, your entire personality is, like, being friends with humans, but, like, now you hate them? Okay, fine. Also, you enabled this.
1: And he says, you know, I should have known. It's not about showing you the universe. It never is. It's about the universe doing something for you. Like, who hurt you? Yeah. Who has given you this very, like, because this is projecting. Like, you are projecting. Like. like You've decided that she's orchestrated this. You're like, you weren't interested in travelling until I told you it was in time as well. Like, as if she's thought about this whole thing all along. Just, yeah. Yeah, it's rude. It's really rude. And then, on the topic of apologising as well, at the end, you know... Pete says to Rose, Oh, this is my fault and she's like, No, 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 it's all my fault, which true it is. Yeah. And he says, No, I'm your i I'm the father, it's supposed to be my fault or something like that. Okay, what so I actually have here?
0: no no no, I have notes on exactly those two things. So eventually when she does apologize and then she is still like, Is this my fault? And my note is, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Was that ever up for debate? No, like what?
0: It's really weird. Yeah, then later on the whole it's not just her saying sorry, that the, her dead dad I think is his name Pete yes, yeah I've just in my notes he's dead dad um, dead dad <laughs> is you know ab- is apologizing for like a whole raft of different things like not living up to expectations that he mm-hmm. feels you know not living up to what he realizes the fiction that Jackie created about him was mm-hmm. because obviously she wanted him to be a different man than he actually was I'm mm. like fuck that's shit for him to
1: yeah or was she just yeah. romanticizing him because she oh, like I missed mean, him you know, yeah or... all
0: of that there's, there's lots of layers to it yeah, yeah. Yeah, so eventually she does apologise to him. Uh, but I do, I mean, we touched on this last week, but the whole Dr. Brander grudge thing, like, is he kind of over-punishing?
1: Like, well, this is interesting because we saw in the last episode that he was really mad at Adam and he just abandons him, right? He's mm. like, you did to me, you fucked up. And then this episode, you know, he makes Rose give him the TARDIS key back because he's like, mm. if I'm so insignificant, then fine. And then he storms off and she's like, you'll be back. Which is, you know, played as like, a lover's tiff because Pete calls them out on that. Well,
0: yeah. She says, oh, for once, you're not the most important man in my life and then later, I'll make you wait a long time.
1: Mm. But then he goes to the TARDIS and he gets in it and realises it's just a normal police yeah. box now. So my question is, would he actually have left her? Because I think he would yeah, have. Yeah, I straight up think he would have. He's
0: impulsive. Mm. He bears a fucking grudge. And I mean, who knows, maybe eventually he might have like gone back to find her. But in that moment, I 100% think he would have yeeted himself out of there. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it so, is. Okay, so on the topic of sorry. Is it too late? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so sorry. So heaps of studies, both literature, mm. literature out there, women say sorry more than men. What the disagreement mm. is on is reasons why.
1: Yeah, so this one study, the 2010 study, that was published in Psychological Science, it noted that, there, it's not that women apologise more... Than men, they seem to apologise the same amount. It's just women think there are more reasons to apologise, so they actually apologise for more things than men do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, women pers- seem to think they commit more offences than men okay. do.
0: Or the threshold. How I read it described was the threshold for what constitutes having an to apologise. Yeah. Is lower. But then I read some stuff which is like kind of pushing back against that, mm. and specifically saying. So article written on uh, website uh, the body is not an apology mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen so it's a little bit retro but by Katie Tastrom so she's saying women don't need to say I'm sorry less maybe men need to say it more
1: correct yes I think that is a fair point because the if the argument is that men apologise see less need to apologise right so women see more need to apologise they apologise more men yep. think there's less need for it Maybe the solution is that men actually need to apologize more. There's more things that they need to acknowledge are actually annoying or like that deserve an apology. I have experienced this many times, when, and I've expressed that to you when I come in here and I'm like, these men on the bus <laughs> who will stand in the middle and have no physical awareness. Like, I find men have no physical awareness of how much space they take up in the world. They'll never move out of the way for you. They'll like manspread. They just are so unaware of how their bodies exist in space. And they don't think they need to apologize for that, but they fucking do. Like, yeah. get out of my way. Why do I, why, why am I conscious of how much space I take up? But you just walk around and yep. become an inconvenience to others because you don't move. You haven't been conditioned to be acutely aware. Yeah. Like, they
0: haven't been conditioned to be acutely aware of how much space they occupy in society, physically and you know, emotionally, metaphorically. Mm. Mm. And it's a great point. It's pushing back on the idea of like, because it were saying like, oh, women apologize too much. So what we're taking, the man level of apology is the default and women as the aberration.
1: Yeah, well, this is this whole pushback against, you know, how people are always saying, you should censor your emails before you send them. Take out all the sorrows. Take out all the justs. Take out all this. But why are we telling women they need to change the way they communicate? Maybe we should just ascribe different values to that. But I think it's both. Like, I think there is definitely a history of women being made to feel ashamed for how much space they take up in the world, for how much they talk, for any kind of pushback against males in particular, right? So... There are things that women need to stop apologising for. Like, you don't need to apologise. You just don't. You know, if you're, like, taking up space in the world or... There was one example in an article I read where this woman was talking about going to an academic conference and the keynote speaker was, like, folding in on herself, like, making her body language really small. And when she spoke to her afterwards, the woman was like, I just don't feel like I should be here. So her body was reflecting her imposter syndrome, right? And I think you can see this a lot. Like, women will make themselves a lot smaller than men ever were. Like, men are all, like, expansive. Power T-poses. Yeah. Yeah. And we see this in the office all the time. Like, men putting their arms behind their heads. Like, legs spread out. Taking up loads of space. I used to work in
0: uh, an office where a guy who held a senior position to me but I didn't directly report to, but he was kind of in the same wider team. He would come over to talk to me, and me sitting at my desk, I wasn't a standing desk, so I'd be sitting at my desk, he would put his foot up on my <gasps> drawers. No. And, like, so he's got a knee up, leaning, elbow on his knee, leaning physically over me. You would have punched him the nuts. No, literally. So I would just <laughs> stop talking, make fixed eye contact, do a slow look up and down his body, and then return to eye contact. And then sometimes he would pick up on... <laughs> (laughs) that subtlety of what the fuck are you up to
1: oh but that's another thing it's like
0: physical dominance of like I own this space in a way more terrifyingly that is probably entirely subconscious
1: yeah that's the thing like it's just it's not even a a conscious decision to do that it'll just be a thing like the way that our office is set up we have
0: some lockers where we keep our shit and those lockers are in a quite narrow space on the way to the women's loose. and the amount of time there will be a guy taking up the entire passage not being aware that he's blocking this single route to the toilet and there's no I have to literally be like excuse me can I get past before
1: they're like oh me in the way it's honestly so annoying uh, and like yeah. they do that all the time they stand in front of the door it's always the men yeah. even in the kitchen they're always in front of the drawers or the dishwasher like they yeah, yeah. you know when someone else comes into the kitchen and I'm making a cup of tea I'll be like moving out of the way like our kitchen is not big but yeah. they will just stand there and you kind of have to be like excuse me and they'll be yeah. like oh like, but
0: the you're... point is that I don't think they say sorry then no they no move, they never do they have a realisation moment and they're like oh Whereas if yeah. I would always
1: say, oh, sorry. Yeah. oh can I, sorry, can I just squeeze in here when yeah, I'm trying yeah, to fill yeah. up my water bottle?
0: Yeah. Okay, so I came across an article in the New York Times called When an Apology is Anything But. Basically, this woman, Sloane Crosley, saying that to her, she thinks that we haven't addressed the deeper meaning of these sorries. To her, they sound like tiny acts of revolt, expressions of frustration or anger at having to ask for what should be automatic. Mm. They are employed when a situation is so clearly not our fault that we think the apology will serve as a prompt for the person who should be apologising. It's a Trojan horse for genuine annoyance. A tactic left over from centuries of having to couch basic demands in palatable packages in order to get what we want. All that exhausting manoeuvring is the etiquette equivalent of a vestigial tale.
1: I think that's really apt. Like, I've definitely weaponized the sorry, but I don't think it lands that way. I don't oh, think no, no, men no. read it like it's that It's too at fucking all. subtle. Yeah. They'll just be yeah. like, yeah, you should be sorry. Mm. Of course. Or, I am in my space. But it's just,
0: like, considered to be the wallpaper of the way that women communicate. Yeah. You know, like, some people are fluffy. And to be fair, I have had pushback in a, m- a number of jobs from, like, women and men that I can be too direct. Because you don't say sorry. Because I don't fluff it up. I don't do and those kind of, you know, I just get to the point And then they're like, oh, you're being quite, you know, people... Abrasive. Want, yeah, or, like, you have to watch your tone in emails, Sophie.
1: And this is the thing. That's why women do it. Because if you yeah. don't do it, you become you, you're bossy, you're yeah. abrasive, you're all these things that no one would ever say to a man.
0: Ooh, so I said this to a male partner the other day. Have you ever heard a man called bossy? Mm. And he had a real long think, and he was like, "No," but that had never occurred to him before. Mm. Because yeah. guys just don't like. You know, no, just, they don't. Like bossy is a is a gendered term, but it's just part of the fabric.
1: As Taylor Swift says, you're not bossy, you're just the boss. Those are very different things. This quote that I came across by a researcher, Karina Schumann, I think, who did the original social psychology study, the one, the 2010 one. But she said. Um, women often think there's a lower threshold for things that require apology because they're more concerned about the emotional experience of others mm-hmm. and they're more, like, focused on maintaining harmony in relationships because I think it's probably a safety thing. We've been conditioned to be like, keep everyone happy because you don't want to upset anyone because your physical safety could be at risk, right?
0: Well, 100%, because it's not... It's reflecting that when I'm in a potential conflict situation mm. with, a, t- like, me as, like, a fairly average build strength cis woman... And having a conversation with a fairly... You know, the average cis man.
1: Mm.
0: Like, there's going to be a massive power disparity there in size and strength. And so I... You know feeling safe around guys, especially around guys I don't know, is not something that's automatic. Mm. So if anything I can do subconsciously or even consciously to make myself, you know, not come into a conflict situation. I mean, I'm also naturally not, like, antagonistic, I don't think. I don't go looking for a fight. But, you know, everybody will have a story, all women will have a story of having an intimidating conversation with a guy where you've misread something and they've got kind of angry or a bit pissed off and then you really become acutely aware of your weakness. Mm my like literal strength weakness
1: yeah when you've pushed something too far or something you're like Ugh. yeah and um, it's
0: not I mean not in any actually like I didn't think I was about to get punched or anything no no but no you, just, but you that, just that edge of like oh actually shit
1: yeah and mm. so often you make that call in your head where you're like oh I can keep having this conversation or I can keep pushing this but this is gonna go into a place where I am no longer comfortable and I no longer feel safe and so you pull yourself up and maybe you do apologise in yeah. that situation just to diffuse the situation be like oh sorry I didn't, didn't mean anything by it or whatever even though you did mean, probably but yeah, you were probably on really, the right but yeah, he, hashtag fragile masculinity
0: yeah so this is a good point point. and so Sloane you know who I mentioned before Sloane Crosley from that, that article of when an apology isn't an apology her, her kind of summation is you know we should stop it's not what we're saying that's the problem it's what we're not saying the stories are taking up airtime that should be used for making logical declarative statements expressing opinions and relaying accurate impressions of what we want which I mean is a good I'm, I'm just thinking to link this in with our episode I think it is fair that Rose apologises because she did fuck up. Yeah. Like he, she asked for something. The doctor said, yes, we can make this work, but it comes with, you can't fuck with it. Mm. And she deliberately goes that against a clear direction. I mean, yes, she's not explained the implications of that, but I think it doesn't matter. She should have mm. just respected him. So there was, you know, a, Uh, A clear, fair reason for her being like Hey, I need to own my shit And say, I'm sorry, I caused this mess But yeah, maybe she could have gone that bit further If she'd have that space to be like You know, I was doing this because I was feeling so emotional I felt like, you know Fuck, it's such a dark episode if you think You know, the reason she was doing this because she'd been raised with a story that her dad died alone Mm. As a child Being told your dad died alone No one was with him
1: yeah, it's horrible.
0: And you think of the realities, like, it's, it's a very TV version that we get, but you think the realities of coming across somebody with blunt force trauma from mm. the impact of a car travelling at high speed that's such bad trauma that he's dying within seconds of hitting the floor, that would be very, very hard to see. Yeah, And we get, I mean, there's no blood, there's no, he has a slightly wonkily placed leg.
1: <laughs> Which is definitely not what it would look like. No,
0: and has, like, you know, some kind of good acting death face going on, Mm-mm. but... But that's a very sanitized view of what that actually reality, of what that would have been like to witness. Yeah. And so there's a lot of trauma that she's got there. And let alone the emotional uh, load of being raised with this kind of idea of, oh, he was the perfect dad and you missed out and he was brilliant. And so much built up in her imagination versus what she actually experiences.
1: Yeah. I mean, the doctor just goes straight to anger, like straight to really unhelpful and I'm not saying that obviously he has reason to be annoyed and to be angry. Like, she, has, she hasn't listened to him, and that is frustrating, but it's a very destructive way that he goes about these things. And I don't know, like, I don't really buy her apology either. I feel like her apology is such an afterthought, which is like, oh, I'll just say sorry. Is this yeah. my fault? I guess I'll say sorry. Like, it doesn't feel like an. It feels like the way a little kid apologizes when you tell them to apologize. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. come like, from a. Say sorry, Jimmy.
0: Sorry.
1: It's not come from a place of real, actual apology. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. I love this quote from the Emotional Intelligence Institute. I forget her name. I think it's Rebecca Green. Anyway, she says, "Um, Some women say sorry for things they don't need to say sorry for. And they say sorry in a way that sounds as though they're apologising for themselves. And I often think about that. It's often like you're apologising for your existence. And that's the kind of thing we need to cut out. It's it's great to apologise when you've genuinely... Inconvenience someone or you've done something wrong like apologizing is great I think about this a lot when people say oh you know you've hurt my feelings just say sorry just take that on board and move on with your life it's not up to you to argue with them about oh there wasn't my intent that's not what I meant like it doesn't matter like they've told you how they feel yeah so you have to apologize to to litigate their feelings exactly and I think about that a lot and so that's the kind of apology I'm really interested in but when it's just like apologizing like sometimes I apologize for things and I'm like why did I apologize for this yeah you know like this is not a thing. So yeah, that's just something to keep in mind. Like don't apologize like you're apologizing for existing. You're allowed to take up space.
0: No, and equally be really mindful, I think. And this is a lesson to not just guys, um but often guys. When you do like the bullshit fake apology, oh god. You know, the favorite one of like I'm oh, I'm sorry if it made you feel that way.
1: Yeah. I'm like that's not an apology. You're just saying the word sorry. Yeah.
0: But it, this is the 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 construction you have created is not in itself. Cuz you're apology. still making
1: it the other person's problem. You're like, yeah. "Oh, well this is I'm sorry that you feel that way." Like, so it's got oh, nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with you. And I'm like, "No, you're the one who fucked up. You apologize." And
0: you don't have to agree with the grounds of what you fucked up with. You just have to say
1: like you genuinely cannot argue with people's feelings. Like yeah. feelings are just feelings. Like they don't <laughs> Just apologise and move on. I had this exact conversation with a friend the other night. And I'm like, you just need to tell them how that makes you feel and they can't argue with that. And if they do, they're actually just being dicks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and the whole then move on thing is brilliant, is like a crucial point. So I read recently about, I wanted to make sure that I was definitely um, being the best friend, colleague, person I could be around accidentally misgendering. Oh yeah, um, I'm very conscious. You know, in our workplace, there's people who use a, a range of pronouns, and mm-hmm. it's become so cool that people will put their pronouns in their emails, so like we know which ones to use. But occasionally, I fuck up,
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: wanted to make sure that I'm dealing with that the best way. So I found some reading, I found some articles um, written by trans people, non-binary people, saying you know how they felt. It goes best when someone accidentally uses the wrong pronoun, mm-hmm. and the crucial thing was say sorry. Mm use the correct one, like correct yourself, but then just move the fuck on. Yeah. Because the worst thing is ten minutes of like, I'm so sorry, I do understand. Are you okay? Yeah. And you're yeah, like yeah. making it all about you.
1: The self flagellation it they not that's not useful. Like it's yeah. not about you're, yes, often people apologize because it makes them feel better, and that's not actually useful. I had this ex- exact situation because the tattoo studio I go to um, as a transgender person who hadn't transitioned when I'd originally started going to the the studio, and then when I went for the last time, I accidentally misgendered them, and I didn't realize at the time. But then when I left, I was like, "Fuck," and it haunted me. And I was like, "What do I do? Do I message them? Like, do I like message them on Instagram to apologize?" And my mate was like, "You're just going to make it worse. Like, yep. just." Next time you're there, do the right thing. But don't, like, try and make a big deal about it because it's not about you. Like, you just... Yeah. But it's hard sometimes when you feel you fucked up because you want absolution. Yeah. And, like, if that's what you want from an apology, it's actually not not a useful apology. Yeah, no. You should, when you're using it to... Make yourself feel better. Uh, yeah, to appease your guilt. Yeah, you should be doing it for the other person, not for you. Yeah, interesting. Meaty topper. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe
0: we kind of just nicely segue into some general... Episode thoughts. Creepy red tinge plus alien pterodactyl things.
1: (laughs) I think they look like Pokemon. Like they just look like an evolved Pokemon. As soon as I saw them,
0: I was like dinosaurs. Yeah. And then yeah. The red tinge is weird. Like they were
1: like seeing the world through their eyes. (laughs) That's how we get to see that you know you're in monster vision. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Monster vision. Yeah. Red or green tint. And also keeping it going for a wee bit before we actually
0: see them. Because Mm. when we do see them, CGI budget was tight.
1: Uh. Maybe at the time it was impressive. I can't remember, but in in the this year of our Lord, twenty twenty two.
0: Uh, yeah. Also, the the fact that they never they kind of glossed over the fact that inside a church with extremely thin stained glass windows, they were totally safe. Maybe because it was old.
1: I think they had yeah. There was some excuse think given about it, for the old
0: thing. Yeah. And
1: then- yeah, yeah, there was a reason they given for why they to couldn't not get in. be
0: near them for a bit, obviously to progress the plot, and also because they didn't want to do more CGI.
1: I do love that they just like snatch people and what eat them whole, essentially. Like, oh, well, fuck. yeah, just like absorb them, dissolve,
0: them? dissolve them, them? yeah, De-apparate hmm. internally. Uh, yeah, so that was weird. So towards the beginning of the episode, this whole weird side plot with random dad putting his son off a marriage.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, like, are you sure you want to do it? Yeah, you know, it's never too late to turn back. It's also a shotgun wedding, which I hate. Yeah, I know, a bit of a trope, hey? But, I mean, the dad was trying to subvert that trope by being (laughs) like, don't do it. But I don't like when people... Yeah, you know when people either try to badmouth marriage or be like, this is the last free night of your life, the day before you get married, or just like talk about their wives as being like a ball and chain. Because I'm like, why? And this was such a thing in the 90s sitcoms, right? But it's like, why are you with this person if you obviously hate them?
0: Yeah, 100%. So I very recently had a conversation with a loved one being like, I hate possession narratives mm. um, in both directions. Men over women, obviously, uh, especially in romantic situations. and But acutely women over men. Mm. I hate that narrative of like, oh, will your, uh, will your missus let you out for the night? Yeah.
1: Like, what am I? as fucking prison warden. Or like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I got a pass for the evening. I'm like, what? You're just living your life. Stop it. It's so weird. Yeah. Mm. So don't like that.
0: Maybe this is a good time to talk about many things in this episode that were just kind of yucky.
1: Mm. So, so like Pete rose thinking pete's hitting on her yep
0: pretty girl like you to his grown daughter
1: i didn't get the vibe that he was hitting on her actually and like i know they have that moment on the couch where she's like that you don't even think about it you know that's like the bermuda triangle to you and blah 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 and i'm like was he even hitting on you or are you just like extra sensitive because you know he's your dad and so you don't want yeah, any kind of no. like suggestion
0: no i kind of get a vibe that he's like thinks she's hot and he's like into her but like I mean, whatever. The Bermuda Triangle was a
1: weird. Reference.
0: What? It's like a place where things disappear.
1: Like... It was a big thing in our youth. Remember the Bermuda Triangle? Everyone was obsessed but with it. Like, and then it we were like... Be like, a no-go area.
0: Oh, maybe that's the extension. It means a no-go yeah. area. Oh, and I was like conspiracy theory about <laughs> things
1: disappearing. <laughs> like, oh. Uh... No, you don't go there because you'll disappear. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. 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 Yeah, and then there's a lot around that space. So like when jackie fuck jackie goes from like zero to a 100 emotionally in this episode a lot but when they turn up to the wedding and jackie's with pete and then jackie is like where the fuck have you been and you know to paraphrase and then is like another one of yours is she and then oh pete you never used to like the mental Mm. that's not age well
1: no but i do feel for jackie because like Obviously, he's played around on her a lot, right? Yeah, I feel like he has priors.
0: This is is her go-to.
1: Yeah. She's not just doing this because she's jealous and inventing it. Like, I think there's definitely the suggestion that...
0: Yeah, true. Okay, yeah, valid point, valid point. And I'm not trying to shame her for that emotional reaction. And she is just a very, like, publicly emotional person. Yeah. She is literally doing this, like... You know, she's stopping a wedding progressing by having this breakdown on the side of the
1: road. I know, it's not great. It's making the wedding all about you. Yeah. But also half the wedding guests have disappeared, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah, and they're like, no one's here, how weird. Why does no one notice this car popping up every five minutes yeah. outside of this road? But sure. Okay, and then the second yucky subheading mm-hmm. is Child Mickey. I completely like, repressed this from my memory, but yeah, like the idea that You've got toddler Mickey running around, and then you know Jackie has that line when she says he just grabs onto what's passing and doesn't let go. Like I just really hate that. It like it strips Mickey of all agency. It just suggests that he's just gonna like he's just holding onto Rose because she's around, like, current Mickey, you know, he's just holding on to Rose. But also this idea that, like I said to you, imprinting vibes. It's like, oh, oh, you know, he hugged her when he was a child and now he's in love with her forever. That imprinting phrase that Rose says is fucking weird. Yeah. Also, Twilight. Yeah. The Jacob Black May situation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and also that, like, I mean, obviously at this point in time, Jackie doesn't know adult Mickey. She doesn't know that adult Mickey will have a relationship with adult Rose. Mm. So when she makes that comment about I mean, yeah, he's a small boy. He wants cuddles.
1: Yeah, I actually really hate when people, like, sexualise children like that. Being like, oh, he's such a ladies' man. Like, no, he's a fucking toddler. Or,
0: like, when babies, when people make, oh, he likes the boob. Yeah. Yeah, because he's a fucking baby and that's where his
1: meals come from. They put him in, like, shirts being like, I'm a boob man. Like, it literally makes me want to (laughs) hurl. Dude, this is why masculinity is, like, fucked up. Yeah, this is the patriarchy. Like, it ruins everything for everyone. This is why men should be feminist. Like, it's not good for you. It's fucking with your head. Oh,
0: very angry today. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so I'm glad we're on the same page about that just being fucking
1: weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. Don't like it. I love the symbolism of the doctor and the church, though. Like, when he gets up on the pulpit and he's, like, talking (laughs) and, you know... Totally Gistering wildly. Really. Like, I know.
0: Like in a very time-crucial moment, and he's taking the time to go up the stairs to the pulpit. You could have just shared from where you were, mate. Everyone can hear you. No, because of the symbolism. There's I'm only like, like <laughs> 10 people in the room, but
1: he's like, no, I I'm taking the stage. I love it. Yeah, I love that. Be the drama. <laughs> yeah. And that is
0: actually him, right? Like mm, he
1: loves it. Such a Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't be the solution, I will be the problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, so true. Oh, wow. So good. Okay.
0: Anything extra? Me too?
1: Would I love you? the line that the past is another country. I always like that as a line.
0: Yeah, and then then kind of trying to chuck the comedy angle off. With, yeah. You know, in terms of history,
1: this is just the Isle of Wight. Ha-ha. Meaning, you know, we're barely another country. Someone I follow on Instagram is on the Isle of the White... Isle of the White? (laughs) That's bad. Isle of of the White currently. (laughs) Anyway, and it's not like no heat wave there, apparently. Only 23 degrees. Delightful. It's a small island. The other thing I was going to say is that there's a little Bad Wolf reference on one of the posters. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, just like a a concert poster and it says Bad Wolf on it. Hmm. Hidden away. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, well stand moments,
1: my friend. Um, So my stand moment, I think, was I like learning about the Time Lords a little bit more. You know, the Doctor talks about how the Time Lords had the power to fix paradoxes. Yeah. And I like the idea of them kind of being guardians of time, you know, like Time Lord. And also it reminded me of the Time Agency and Loki, which I yeah. you know you just watched. I literally just watched
0: The
1: that. Sacred Timeline. Yeah. Um.
0: An amazing TV show, which you so accurately described me to as therapy, colon, the TV it show. It really is. Like, <laughs> I'm is. sorry, you
1: could write so many essays about it, like, the <laughs> ego death and the death of self and, like, all these things that just come out of it. It's so yeah. great. Love it. Yeah. Anyway, love Tom Huddleson. Yeah, I do too. Um, because he's a massive nerd. Yeah, anyway, so, like, I don't really know much about the older lore of Doctor Who. You know, I've only watched the Sylvester McCoy series here and there, so I don't really know much about the Time Lords. And it's always cool to learn a bit more about them and... Yeah. yeah, learn about the Doctor's people and his culture and what his situation is. So,
0: yeah. Nice. I enjoyed that. Love it. What was your standout moment? Um, so, I have 2 Mm-hmm. First one is, sometimes a duffel coat is just a duffel coat. <laughs> just bringing dialogue. It's true. <laughs> yeah, sometimes a duffel coat is just a duffel coat. And the second one is, Christopher Rackleston in that green jumper.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Like, pretty fucking hot. Like, he takes off that jacket and you're like,
1: whoa, hello. <laughs>
0: fitting jumper. It's a bit extra. Yeah, I know. I felt like he's, You can see what he's working with as well. It's very, it's very slim fitting. <laughs> love that yeah, for I you.
1: Know. Great standout moment. I'm sorry, I'm just objectifying. That's 2005 right. Christopher Exton. I'm sure he won't mind. Well, I mean, I, will he listen? <laughs> Surely he's listening. <laughs> One of our 12 listeners. We love listening. you. Thanks yeah. for listening. We love you, Christopher Exton. Yeah, cool. That was it. Hmm. Great. Um, Well, that's lovely. I think that was a a good little chat. We got a lot about apologizing and apologizing less. Um, I do like this idea that if you're someone who struggles with apologizing and saying sorry a lot, I like the idea of flipping that on its head and doing more of a thanking people for things. So instead of saying, sorry, I'm late, being like, thank you for waiting. Yeah. Or sorry for like whinging at you, being like, thank you for listening. Yeah. Rather than always putting yourself down. Because you do internalise that if you're constantly saying sorry. You do start to feel a bit demoralised. So yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes people will kind of bag on the whole, you know, it's a bit twee to constantly be like, reframe. But that's a
1: really valuable reframe. Mm, I think so. Mm. That's good to think about. I mean, sometimes, like, not all the time obviously, because sometimes you should apologise, but yeah. Just the th- something to think about. Free therapy tips from Jen. No, absolutely. And that just very quickly reminded me of the chat we had today about...
0: You gotta front foot things. Mm. And don't piss around when you just need to stand up and be like, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can do better. This is how I'll do better. I'm on a learning journey. Please support me. Yeah. The worst thing to do is just be like, oh well, you know, I, I didn't know or I had my
1: reasons.
0: And that's totally true. That's fine. Saying a sorry doesn't negate. That yeah doesn't negate your experience. It doesn't take away. It just comes down to ego, right?
1: Absolutely, it comes around to yeah, and the willingness to learn. Like, you know, I mess up all the time, and I am constantly trying to be a better person. So I reckon messing up is inevitable. There's no point trying to act like I'm not making mistakes all the time. Yep, it's just about learning and being willing to learn from them. And when someone tells you that something upsets them, just fucking take it on board. Like I'm sick of these people being like, "Oh, it was a joke." No, stop it. Yeah, absolutely. If someone tells you it's hurt their feelings, stop doing it in yep. a story. And I say that as the mean friend. <laughs> <laughs> you, are. you are I mean with love, my friend. You are my meanest friend. Yeah, of course I am. I'm sorry. It's just my vibe. Sagittarians get a Sagittarius. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that seems like a bit. That was not a bit. My entire life's a bit. Um, So on that note, next week we're going to be discussing episodes 9 and 10 which is The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances Let us know your thoughts by emailing atardis at onezone at gmail.com You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and check out all the show notes for the links as we discussed in this app. and yeah, look forward to another week next week. Have a brilliant week Bye! Bye!